Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Share Your Stories podcast. My name is Jenny Diltz, and I'm the host. And today I'm talking with Dee Bird, a grief and life coach. She talks about her own grief journey and what she learned from that. She teaches us what it's what it was like for her and what she wished she had as far as comfort and support. She shares her tips of what we can do to, com- to comfort and support others who are going through grief. Near the end of our time together, we talk about an upcoming virtual grief conference, and it's a global conference, and it will be from the end of April through the beginning of May. It's a 72-hour conference, so stay tuned for that for more information, and enjoy the show. I'm your host, Jenny Dilt, and I am the founder of Grieving Coach. I'm a certified grief coach who specializes in helping people transform from grief to growth. And I do this one conversation, one heart, one experience at a time. From my personal experiences with grief, I have learned to lean in, ask questions, and reflect with gratitude on the lessons I've learned from grief. Now I use this pattern to help my clients transform their grief from foe to friend. If you'd like to explore this further, send me an email at jen at grievingcoach.com. And I can also be reached on Facebook and LinkedIn, Jenny Diltz. A special thanks goes out to the nonprofit organization Reimagine, who has built and supports a community to host events like these, where people can come to talk about, process, and learn from life's challenging experiences. Joining us this time is Dee Bird, who is a certified grief and master life coach. She is currently completing her certification as a mental health coach as well. Additionally, Dee hosts the podcast Unplug Grief Ministries. Dee felt the calling to be a grief coach about two years after her son's death from Duchenne muscular dystrophy. During this time, she watched as those with empty words promising to be there for her vanished. After digging deep into research, she learned why trusting friends and family vanished instead of remaining as a comforting friend. Dee is originally from the concrete jungle of New York, but has lived in the South for most of her life. And Dee can be found at uh, www.unpluggrief.org and her podcasts on anchor.fm backslash unplug hyphen grief. She's also on Facebook, Unplug Grief Ministries, Grief and Life Coaching and Consultants. Dee, thank you so much for being with us today. I'm glad to be here. I love your passion and the work that you're doing to help others grieve in more healthy ways. Yes, one of the things I've learned that before I can help others, I had to allow it to help me first. You know, because if we can't do it, how can we help others? Absolutely. Can you share a bit of your story so we know you're, what you're coming from? Yeah, well, like I said, I unfortunately come from the concrete jungle of New York. My mother brought us down to Florida in the late 60s, early 70s. And soon after she was killed, um, we had to go live with my father. And then I had to, my siblings and I had to deal with the the stepmother, whom I would like to say, even as a child, we thought of her as the wicked wicked witch of the West. I learned later that um, her own transformation that she had to go through, um, her own grief in order for her to learn and grow. And she ended up being one of my closest friends that um, we did our daily, prayers together over the phone. And even after my son, Timothy, had passed away, and at the funeral, I let my siblings know that she was there, and they were all shocked. And my one sister would say, well, blah, 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 blah. You know, she was going on and on. And I said, you know what, Jeanette, um, Courtney chose to change her life. 
She realized her mistakes. She took accountable for it. And she did. She asked for forgiveness. And she's here not only to support for me, for Timothy, but she's here to ask for your forgiveness. And that right there became an eye-opening for my siblings. Because they had to begin to realize that no matter how much grief she put us through when we were children, people do change. Absolutely. And um, I can't remember if you also lost a child, but I want to tell people when you lose a child, it changes you. Mm-hmm. It changes your mentality. It changes your emotions. It changes you even physically. Um, and even sometimes with a lot of people, spiritually. Mm-hmm. And that's what had to happen to me. But I also began to realize that all this time that my son was in my life, he was in my life for a reason. Even if it was for that short period, God put him there to teach me stuff. So that when he passed away, I, I had to deal with anticipatory grief because like you mentioned earlier, he died from Deshaun muscular dystrophy. So then he was like, a, his thing was like a slow death. You mm-hmm. know, every muscle in his body was taken away from him. He hated to go to the hospital because every time he came back, there was one thing he could no longer do. And um, I remember the last time I brought him because for some reason his ventilator died on him, his wheelchair died on him, the battery to the ventilator died, which I couldn't understand because I had charged every one of them the night before. And I was like, what's going on? Mm -hmm. So they took him to the ER. He's just plug my ventilator in. I'll be okay. I'll be okay. And he begged me to take him home. And um, part of me, my guilt that I feel is I didn't take him home, that I should have taken him home. But he crashed the next morning. Fortunately, he was in the hospital. And then he crashed again Saturday morning. And that time, it took him. He didn't, there was no coming back. Mm-hmm. And um, I still live, but if he had not been at the hospital, all that might have been ignored and he might have died sooner, days sooner. So part of me feels like that. In a sense, God gives us women that it's the instant gut feeling that mm-hmm. we need to do something in order to protect our children. And sure. I chose to keep him there. And God gave him six more days with me for me to be with him six more days even if he was going through how um i wish he was still here but i wish he was here without suffering yeah you know that disease takes your lungs takes every breath away causes your heart because remember your heart's a muscle too but i learned through the years what grief really was about, but it took Timothy's death for me to realize, for me to be educated to what grief really was about. What did you find? You mean through all that research? Yeah. Now, you know, how many of us, when we grieve from losing a loved one, we always have um, friends and family that come in and, and they always say that, um, even though it's with good ten- intentions, they always say these strange things to us, like they're in a better place. So, oh, you have other children, so you'll do okay, and blah, blah, blah. But, but then they always pat your hands and say, I'll be there for you whenever you need me. Just call me or email me. But the funny thing is, even as the months and then the years went by, there was like no emails, no texts. No, um, no postal mail, mm-hmm. um, no, any of that. And it's like, what happens? I'm, I'll be there when you need me. I couldn't figure out why family and friends weren't there to show that support. So I began to dug that research to find out, to give that answer. And I did, after many months and maybe even a year, found the main reason why that all friends and relatives do not come back to be a comfort is because they are uncomfortable 
but they're quick. So it is easier for them to run and hide, mm-hmm. to stay hidden, than to have to deal with you and your grief. They become so uncomfortable. And, um, and that's the way society teaches them. That's the way society has taught all of us. You know, you know, just tell them to go in their little corner, do their crying and hide in their room. We don't have to hear it. We don't have to deal with it. But to become an effective comforter, whether it's your sibling, whether it's your parents, whether it's your cousins or aunts or uncles or friends, you have to be present. You have to be present. By running and hiding and vanishing, you are you are what we what I call all of us that we are born as miserable comforters, miserable <laughs> comforters, because we don't know how to be present to be a comfort. Even if you don't know what to say, just be present. Because yeah. sometimes your action speaks louder than words. Mm-hmm. What did you learn about grief? as you were experiencing it it's exhausting (laughs) (laughs) yeah it is you know but it also depends what kind of grief you're dealing with because we have to remember there's 43 different types of grief but when you're dealing with an actual loss of a loved one it's very exhausting um it's there's another word that i wanted to use and my brain just went blank to what it is but exhausting because of that emotions that you that you are using that you didn't realize you had. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You, emotions that you're using, the not you know the anger, the, the guilt, all the all the five steps that um, that that is mentioned in our in our books and series and that. There are emotions that we use. It can be exhausting. But until you learn how to embrace grief, you can learn to turn that being exhausted around and find a positive thing about it instead of letting it drag you down. Mm-hmm. And that's where that transformation comes that you talk about as well. Yeah. you got to find that transformation because... Otherwise, you don't want to end up, and I hate to say this, and I don't want anybody to get mad at me for saying this, but it's really important because until you were in, it's only been eight years since I've lost my son. So until you were in to what I consider my shoes now, there are many people who are stuck because they don't know how to find, so they don't know how to turn their grief around into something. Um, like I tell people about anger. Anger is one of the things that we deal with in grief. It's okay to be angry. It's not thing wrong to be angry. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to be angry at God because God understands. Because remember, God went through this grief too. He lost his son. Yeah. It's what you do with your anger. You can either take the anger and go and say and do bad things and hurt people. Or you can take that anger, turn it around, and do something in memory of your loved one. Awesome. The good anger. So you have the bad anger, then the good anger. Uh-huh. So turn your bad anger into something good. And um, that's, when, that's when you begin to realize where your transformation also comes from. Because not only you change that exhausting, tearing down, being stuck into something, or that anger, you turn it around, you transform your life to find the positive. And I know some people don't want to hear that, but trust me, there are many, 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 many of us who has gone through it and can testify how that transformation makes a difference. I'm not saying I no longer grieve for my son. I will always grieve for Timothy. No sure. matter what. But now I've learned to grieve in a different manner, in a new way. Now I've learned to grieve in a joyous way. That doesn't mean I don't sometimes lay on my bed and cry and miss them. Right now, I, I mean, I'm just moving to my townhouse, and my bedroom is pictures of Timothy. Uh-huh. Or me with Timothy, you know. Yeah. In the hallway, it's mostly Timothy. So I have that constant reminder of Timothy. 
But now instead of letting it, letting it tear me down through that deep, dark hole where you're feeling the depression, the anxiety, the PTSD, and everything that 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 swell, that sinkhole, that everything swallows down with it. Mm-hmm. Now I can look at it and say, oh, and it, it just reminds me of all his sarcasm. He was like the king of sarcasm. And the way he the way he would do it just make you laugh and. I miss hearing his laugh. He used to sit at his desk and watch his animes on his computer. And that laugh he would have, it was just like that one laugh because his voice was getting deeper and deeper. And it's just so, I just miss it. You know, I just thank God for the technology we have today. Yeah. We can videotape our loved ones before they're gone. We can hear their voice, we can go back hear the voices, hear the laughs, hear like Timothy, he would get mad at me or, you know, cause he had the trike when we had the puppies, the puppies like getting right under his trike. Cause for some reason they find the comfort of being right on his neck under his trike. And he would go, mom, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Why the puppies like that? area it must be something warmth or something but uh-huh but he would laugh about it later on because he says that the puppies are finding him to be comforting for them as much as they were comforting for him oh awesome you know so you know so now the pictures they remind me of his story mm-hmm. and now it's my voice me i'm going to be telling his story not only am i going to be telling my story but now I have that opportunity to tell his story as well. I'm That's now amazing. His voice. Uh huh. So, what I was the? Go ahead. I think a lot of people who understand that they say yes, I get that part. Yes. Uh huh. Yes. What was the changing point for you, where you started to turn the anger and the sinkholder the sinkhole feelings and experiences into transformation for me to be honest with you it was before timothy died um i had i'm not ashamed to say this but in my early years or timothy's early years i was diagnosed with bipolar and anxiety and ptsd and all of that would always bring me down into this deep dark hole and it was always timothy that would be pulling me out. But then Timothy and I decided to change our mindset. Matter changing your mindset. And the one person that really, really, really helped us to change our mindset and, and changing your mindset spiritually as well was Joel Olstein. I look at him as a coach. He might uh-huh. be a spiritual coach, but he's a very good coach. And by listening to him, you realize, yes, I need to make that change. Yes, I want to make that change. And when you make that decision that you're going to make that change and make that transform, change your mindset, it changes everything. So that when Timothy did pass away, um, my, my mindset had a lot to do with it. And the thing about it, by the time Timothy died, I had just been diagnosed with cancer. I just had major surgery. I still had an open wound when Timothy died and dealing with the wet, you know, stuffing it and, and stuff like that. So I'm like, I had that chance right there and then to say, God, why are you doing this to me? First the cancer, the open wounds, and then Timothy. You should at least give me Timothy a little bit more time since I was most in the hospital most of the time in, Gen- in January. So give me just a little bit more time. So that was the only reason why I was angry at God, because I knew Timothy was going to pass away. Uh-huh. I just thought it was the wrong time because I had just gotten out of the hospital. But yeah. there's a reason and a purpose for everything, for everything. And my, if it wasn't for my mindset and making that change before Timothy's death, I probably would have been in a rage and in a suicide rage. Mm-hmm. But because I chose to change my mindset, it made my grief, my anticipatory grief, and then his loss, so that grief 
it changed how I thought, um, think what grief is about. But then I became homeless and I, I could have again gotten angry at God because not only did I have to deal with cancer, an open wound, um, Timothy passed away. I couldn't live, stay in my apartment because now that Timothy's gone, that income is gone. Um, I, I had to give up my cat and then I became homeless. And then at the time, God miraculously put me in the Heath family. And I forgot now where I was going with this. But I, all that, I could have been angry at God. Mm -hmm. Why are you putting me through this? But my mindset was changed, and I knew, like Job in the Bible, everything he went through, he lost all his children, his homes, his animals, his friends, and stuff like that. And you've got to think, you know, if Job can get through it, I can get through it. So I use God's strength to help me get through my, my grief. Yeah. But like I said before, it doesn't mean I stop grieving for my son. Or everything sure. that was happening in 2014. I, but I understood it. I understood why I was going through that. And I, because I stayed positive. Even when I was in the hospital with the cancer, they had taken the cancer out. And I mean, I had a wonderful support of my church family. I could have sat there and cried and screamed and say, why is this happening to me now? You know, Timothy needs me now. And this is way before we found out, before Timothy died. And yet I stayed positive. And I thank God every morning that he still breathed life into me. I didn't understand then why. Mm -hmm. After Timothy's death, when I had my aha moment, and I began to realize God was preparing me was something that I did not imagine that could ever happen. That's amazing. Yes. What was your aha moment? When I discovered why relatives and friends disappeared. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. That uncomfortable. And then I had gotten really involved with Dr. Norman Wright. And because he had a book to say, that's called What to Say when you don't know what to say. Uh huh. And I went, read through that book over and over and over. And I realized, that's how I began to realize they were all uncomfortable with my grief. And after this yeah. day, this is eight years later, I still have relatives tell me, I need to, you need to just move on, get over it. And you know, my, well, my mom says, like, seriously, Donna. And then I had to say something to her, I really thought, I would never say to someone, I said, wait till you lose your son. Wait till your son dies. And then you're going to understand what this grief is really about. But mm -hmm. God forbid anything ever happens to my nephew or his daughter, you know, God forbid. But mm -hmm. I had to make her realize that sometimes it's not like losing your parents. It's not like losing your friend. It's not like losing your cousin your distant cousin or distant uncle, losing your child, you lose a part of you. Mm -hmm. But that mindset helped me to keep walking, even if I lost part of me. Yeah. Kept walking. The journey may be rocky. The mountain may be steep. Mm -hmm. Keep going because you, there's a reward at the very end. And I find what you and I do and what many others do, a rewarding job. Because we're here to help those. We get it. We understand. And we want to be able to encourage them. Seven-letter word of comfort is encouragement. Mm -hmm. Encouragement is the seven-letter word of comfort. Yeah, there we go. That's awesome. That's what comfort really is about. Yeah. Encourage each other. Absolutely. Uplifting each other. Not downsizing your your mentality or your emotions. Right, and like you said earlier, being present. Yes. With them. Present. But society doesn't want to teach them that. Society doesn't want to tell them that. So that's all. That's why we're here to educate, to encourage, to uplift, mm -hmm. so that people can learn. Even though they can grieve, they can learn to grieve in a new way. Yeah. What can what else can we do to 
educate society to help people feel more comfortable with grief? You mean to embrace it or to be comfortable with it? Because it's one thing to embrace it and it's another thing to use it as a comfort. Well, I yeah. Do you think it's the same? No, it's not the same. Definitely not. Um, it, so embracing would be like the high goal that everybody could learn to embrace grief. Yes. But I'm I'm going to account for human individuality. And some people may not ever get to that place of embracing grief. Right. So comforting grief would be a like how do we how do we help people, people feel well, at least that, so I began when I after I learned more about Dr. Wright, he became my, my biggest mentor. I read many of his books. I'm in close contact with his secretary and I just learned he just remarried and I'm like and he's in his eighties now and I'm like, go for it, Dr. Wright. But anyway, they allow me to use his books to teach and educate people because he is a licensed psychologist that teaches at a university. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I take all his books and all his word and along with them, Clara Hinton, Gary Rowe, I take them in because they have a way of really getting to your inner soul, your core. And because once you really learn to find a way to embrace that grief, or you want to learn how to be a better comfort for, to comfort each other. So when you learn to comfort each other, you're also almost in a way embracing that grief, you know? Mm -hmm. But that's why I, I'm using his book, What to Say When You Don't Know What to Say, as part of my classes. But I tip, I renamed it as How to Become an Effective Comforter. Mm -hmm. And I told him, in a sense, that's what he's doing. He's teaching us to be an effective comforter. And I take that and I use it to help people to learn how to embrace and to be comfort. But you have to learn, when you read through that book, learn to use the, the skills and the training he has that he gives us to first learn to comfort ourselves. Mm -hmm. Because if we don't learn how to comfort ourselves, how are we able to comfort other people? Absolutely. So now I've created as an eight-week class so that people can be certified. And I'm trying to reach out first with churches. Mm -hmm. Because with my church, that's what really got me into this as being a coach. At my church, I... I have learned, thank God with Dr. Wright, to listen with my eyes, not just to see, but to listen with my eyes and to also learn to see and listen with my ears. So when at church, I can sense when people are very uncomfortable with my grief because they would go <laughs> out of their way to avoid being around me. And then there would be many times when my pastor would have a wonderful sermon and he would be telling wonderful stories and it would trigger something about Timothy and a story about Timothy. And so when I would see him at the end, I would say, so Pastor Dan, I wanted to tell you a story that, that you triggered a memory of me when you said this. And right in the middle of it, I'm trying to tell him this, he would run and disappear. And then I had another pastor that came out to Pastor Dan that did the same thing. And, I'm, and now we have a new pastor, but I'm, this time I'm educating our new pastor, because he's younger than, he's the youngest of all of them. Mm -hmm. And say, look, you, as a job as a pastor, your job is to help comfort your members. Absolutely. You can't run away and disappear. Mm -hmm. And so churches, not just the pastors, but the elders and the lay workers, they need to be trained to be certified to understand or to start a grief ministry in their church so they can learn to be great comforters to their members. And if you learn to teach your members to be, I mean, your lay workers and your elders and their pastors to be good comforters, then they teach the members to be great comforters. Mm -hmm. Then their members are out there teaching the community how to be great comforters. And that's how the word and the, like oil, the way oil spreads. And if you light it, guess what? You have a fire. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it starts with the church. And I, past 
not just churches, but doctors. And yeah. nurses, because they become so immune to death that it doesn't bother them. And I think that's really sad. Um, my son's dad was a registered respiratory therapist, and he became so immune to death that he became really nasty about it. So that when Timothy died, it didn't even bother him. Emotionally, mm-hmm. it did not do anything to him because mm-hmm. he was so immune to people dying. And that's sad. Yeah. You know, so it starts with us work with your church. Work with the doctors and hospitals and clinics in the area. Work with the homeless, the homeless shelters. I remember when I was teaching classes at the, our local homeless shelter, they looked at the word as grief as death. They didn't see that they, grief is also losing your home, losing your income, losing your job, losing this, losing that, moving, graduation, weddings. They looked at me like I was the crazy one. And mm-hmm. that here was the fact that grief wasn't just about death alone. They lost their homes, their incomes, their jobs. That's grief. Absolutely. You know? People hard, find it hard to believe when I say weddings. How is weddings grief? Well, when you come to think about it, the parents have given up their daughter. That's an emotional thing, and it can be emotionally exhausting as well because mm-hmm. you can't believe your little girl is growing up and she's getting married and that is that probably takes a little bit of a toll especially on the mother not just the father but in graduation why is graduation grief because you're moving on and you're leaving friends you're leaving the school you've learned to love you're leaving so you're losing all this Absolutely, yeah. Some people don't, because society has taught us how to live on a daily basis, that we don't recognize on a daily basis of things that we do or things that we experience sometimes, it's considered grief. You bring up a good point that it's not just death. It's it's even in, grief is even in um, events and and um, experiences that are normally considered happy or celebratory. Yes. There's, and grief isn't limited to the sadness. It's, it also includes the joy, the memories, the fondness, yes. the relationships that we have. Broken relationships, divorces, that's grief. Yes. Yes. Right. And that there is something else too, and my mind just went blank, but it would, you know, grief has, society has narrowed it down to one thing. Mm-hmm. In all reality is more than one thing. Yeah. We live with and, and experience it on a daily basis. We don't recognize that we're dealing with grief. We recognize we're dealing with an emotion. But mm-hmm. that emotion can also be part of your grief. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing that it took my son's death to realize and to learn all this stuff. And that's that's where that growth comes. We learn, we grow, Mm -hmm. we heal. Yeah. We move forward. Moving forward is a positive word. Not move on is not. So right. There's a difference between moving on because people say it in such a negative way. When you use and we'll move forward, you find a positive way of helping people to move forward. But you can still grieve while you're moving forward. Absolutely. So. I get asked a lot. How long does it take? Or like you mentioned, why aren't you over this already? Or why why are you still grieving? Yes. What answers or what tips do you have for breaking down the stigma of moving on or being done with grief or the time, even the time frame that people say you should be done with grief? Well, everybody thinks there's a timetable. 
You know, they think, okay, you should have stopped grieving by now after a few weeks or a few months. Mm-hmm. But there are many people who, there's no timetable for grieving. You know, when you're ready to, to end your grief, that's when your timetable is. And, but you, the griever, has to make that decision. No one else should make that decision for you. No one else has the right to criticize or judge where you are in your, in your grief. It's been three years since my dad passed away. And my stepmom, a different one from the one I told earlier, mm-hmm. she's still in a sense of grieving for my dad. And usually spouses, it takes at least up to three years or maybe even more for them to really find that their individual individuality. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh, yeah. Because they're so used to that, them being there and doing everything for them. Mm-hmm. It's, you just tell them, look, there's no timetable for grief. When I'm ready to stop grieving, when I feel like I'm ready to move forward, you'll know. You'll know. But to me, I would say, look, I guess maybe it's that New York coming out of me. <laughs> look, there's no timetable. Yeah. Don't criticize, don't judge me. I had to say this to my sister too recently. It's not your place to judge or criticize me of how long I can grieve. That is up to me and God, not you. Mm-hmm. So if you don't, I think that's why people are so uncomfortable with our grief. Because they they think that we have to stop grieving on their timetable. But their grief, with that, see, the people have to realize, in comes, grief also deals with pain. Mm-hmm. My grief or my, the pain I have of losing my son is not going to be the same grief or pain you may experience with your family. Mm-hmm. Why? Because my relationship with my son is different from what your relationship might have been with Timothy. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. So he was part of me. He was my son. I bore him. I raised him. I was his um, caregiver. I did. He was my best friend. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? But he did. He was not that to you. Exactly. So you may grieve on your timetable because the, the pain you may experience with him is different because you had a totally different relationship than what I had. Mm-hmm. So that's why the timetable is different. You know, your relationship or your grief or your pain with Timothy is going to be different because you were not his mother. That's right. Please don't ask me why his father did not experience grief, but we won't go there. But me as a mother, I was there for him day and night. Mm -hmm. His whole 25 years of his life. Yeah. You see? So our relationship with the individual that we lost, or whatever that grief, grief item may be, that's your relationship. That's your pain. No one else. And no one else should tell you when your grief timetable should end. Mm -hmm. That's not their place. That's only your judgment. Only you decide when that timetable slowly comes to an end. It may take three years. It may take 10 years. It may take 20 years. It may take forever. But it's not our place to tell them when to stop grieving. It's not our place. Right. I also appreciate that you said you'll know when you're ready. Yeah, you know when you are ready. Only you will know when you're ready. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, it would seem like eternity away. But as time goes by, you will know when you're ready. And for some reason, <laughs> I know some people are probably going to hate me for saying this, but for some reason, I knew when I was ready, when Timothy died. How can you, for people who are unsure of how do I know when I'm ready or when is it going to come? 
what advice do you have? The only thing I can say is I'm trying to find the right word for it. Don't rush it. Don't rush it. Mm -hmm. Because um, you need to grieve. And when you know you're done with that grieving, you will find life again. Don't rush it. And don't doesn't matter what other people think or what other people say. That's not for them to decide. That's only for you. Yeah. You know when you have that aha moment. You will have that aha moment. And you will begin to realize all this is not for everybody. But for some people, I should have or could have done this all this time. But it's not too late. If you uh -huh. want to do something in memory of your loved one, however how they died, you know, some died of cancer, Timothy died of muscular dystrophy. Some people, you know, might die from accidents. You know, some might even die of suicide. But you were always going to find something positive that was in that person's life that you can do in memory of them. Start a foundation. Do something. Do a fundraiser. Mm -hmm. keep their memory alive and I think that's what helped me as I kept Timothy's memory alive I kept talking about it yeah a lot of people were uncomfortable with it <laughs> I remember the first his first birthday after he had passed and I had got a birthday cake and I brought it to church to share it with others and I just remember the um the expressions on people's face and their body tone says a lot. Uh -huh. I'm sure they thought I was crazy, but I was keeping my son's memory alive. And I was still celebrating, and I still do celebrate his birthday. Just as much as I celebrate his Andrew anniversary. Uh -huh. Keep their memory alive. And you will learn that when the more you talk about them, the more you keep their memory alive. That, that healing begins to, 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 to you, you planted the seed to start the healing. Yeah. You, you, that seed may grow to be a tree one day, or it may be just a beautiful flower. But you planted the seed because you kept their memory and their name alive. And I think that's where my arm almost came. Uh-huh. Of course, there was that mindset, too. Yeah. I love that you allow for it, that seed to become a tree and also a beautiful flower. Like there's just as there's no set prescription of how and how long you grieve, there's yes. no there's also no set prescription of what what's going to grow yes. from your grief. Exactly. From that seed. Exactly. That's why I used the term tree. <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't know what everybody's different. Yeah. Growth is going to be different in, every, in everybody. So it may pop up as a beautiful flower or the sun, maybe years, years later, it may be a tree. Mm -hmm. But it may be a tree with beautiful flowers too. Yeah. Like the dogwood. What's the other tree? There's some that cherry blossoms. Mm -hmm. That was in D.C. Those are the most beautiful flowers, the, the pink and the white. That time will come, but let it be on your terms and on your timetable. Wonderful. Keep memory alive while, you, while you're waiting, too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. What's the best advice you would give somebody who's struggling with their grief? If it's somebody new, I just gonna sit there. Just be present. Mm -hmm. If it's somebody I know, I'm just gonna be present. Give them a hug. I always send people online because you don't see them comfort in hugs. Mm -hmm. You don't have to say anything. Because yeah. sometimes we, when we, with good intentions, we may try to say something, 
and then we say the wrong thing. And so it's better just to be present. And when they're ready, and they trust you, they will start talking. Let them be the first to start the conversation, the grievers. Okay. Mm, Let them be the first to start the conversation. So you may sit there on the sofa with them for hours, and not a word is being said. And then they're going to say, oh, are you hungry? You want some pizza? And that's when you can start the conversation with them. Because they'll know when they're ready to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Most people often need to talk about it right away. Yeah. And the thing about it, the key thing about it also, Jenny, is it's so easy for us just to find a therapist to talk about it. Because a lot of time with our grief, we have a lot of issues that are underneath all that that needs to be talked about. Mm-hmm. But the grief part of it, it's hard to find a therapist that's a grief therapist. And thankfully, with this conference that's coming up, we have some grief therapists. But that's why we grief coaches are trained and certified to be with the grievers. So that even though we may have a lot to teach them, sometimes all we need to do is listen. Listen and be present. Yep. Just listen. Mm-hmm. They'll start talking. And they'll start talking about that loved one. And they'll start telling the stories. And before you know it, they'll be laughing. Just listen and be present. That's the easiest thing we can do. And I know some of us will always want to be in a rush to say something. Yeah. That's awesome. Is there anything else you'd like to share today with our audience? No, I think I shared the um the basics. I I just I just want to say, you know, there are many of us who are trained to be there for people. And some of us are still learning. It's still being trained in many different things, thank God. Mm-hmm. When I first started to be a certified grief coach or specialist, I was just that. And then I said, you know what? I don't want just this tiny bit to be part of the grief. There's got to be something more than just teaching people about this little portion of the grief. Can I add? And then I started adding my life coach. And then the master's life coach. Now the mental health coach, because I want it to be not just a tomato. I want it to be a salad. It has olives and lettuce and celery and stuff like that. Because when we add all the good training to that one little thing, we offer them a lot more. Mm-hmm. That little thing. And I want them to find I want people to find a way to start trusting that coaches are there for you for a reason yeah. because they too experience grief. Mm-hmm. They too experience it. So they get it. Yeah. Because I know when I went, went through therapy, it was like, it was nice to have somebody to talk to, but <laughs> it was awful because they, <laughs> they didn't know what to say to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they they would ask a few questions, but they never gave me any grief advice or they never gave me anything to help me with my grief. Yeah. They gave, they gave advice on my other issues, you know, my anxiety or my PTD, PSD, PTSD or whatever, but they never could come down to the conclusion of helping me with my grief. Yeah. Just like pastors and doctors, they're not trained to be grief coaches. But I'm gonna right. say that my pastor that we have now, he's only like twenty-six years old. He's new to being a pastor. And um he and his wife listen. But 
of all the pastors I talked to, I was shocked to learn that they never took any classes in grief. They never learned how to help people with grief. Yeah. Like, I don't understand that. That should be your number one role, not just preaching, but being that comforter. Because guess what? When someone dies, who's the first person they're going to call? You. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or you, the doctor. Mm-hmm. Can you know what to say and what to do? Agreed. Not, why? Why not? Yeah, agreed. You know, teachers, teachers need to know what to say and do because they're our students. Because one of the things that I know is that when children grieve, like if they lost a sibling, so many people are focused on their parents, they forget that children too, are too grieving. Mm-hmm. And they need somebody to talk to. And the, you're going to notice that their behaviors are going to be different. And their behaviors yeah. are different because nobody's listening. Mhm. Yeah. There is a lot of work to be done. Oh, that's another <laughs> statement. That's another statement. Yes. And and there is some good work happening. Um you mentioned the grief conference. Tell us more about that. Yes. So on one of my podcasts, I ran into a guy named Tony Lynch. I think you know who he is. And I heard his story and I was like, oh my goodness, I cannot believe this. His, I, was, I thought it, he was talking about me and some parts of his story. His story was amazing. And then I said, you know, Tony, one of the things that I'm thinking about doing is these big seminars and workshops. and bringing people in to you know teach and he said you know the funny thing i had the same idea so we spent like two hours after the podcast talking about this vision we had so he he's named it as the virtual global grief conference and what we are doing is we're doing it online for three straight days 72 hours and most of the people he brought in is his people. I brought in a few because he knew a lot more than I did. And that's fine. I'm not going to complain. <laughs> and we're going to have at least 70, 70 certified, trained grief coaches and therapists come in and each hour or two hours or whatever, they're going to be able to speak in their seminars. And now we have added workshops. To it, and they're gonna. Some of them are gonna be doing workshops, so this will be the opportunity to invite people internationally, worldwide, to come in and learn some tips and tools, hear stories, and take notes, folks. If you come to this conference, you're gonna be blessed. You're gonna be overly blessed because we're gonna have so many people that's going to be there for you, to help you. And so this Virtual Global Greek Conference is happening April 29, starts at 8 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time. So remember, your time zone is different. Um, so that would make it 5 o'clock your time if you're in the Pacific. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you get up really early, Jen. Yep. <laughs> Then we're going to run through it all the way through Monday, May 2, to 8 o'clock Eastern Time. And that's going to be pretty much full of international um, grief coaches and and grief therapists and and, um, people that's going to help with uh, meditations and yoga and all kinds of different things that's going to be, you're going to be richly, richly blessed. And um, it's not going to probably take away your grief altogether. But it's going to help you on your journey. It's going to help you on your journey. Mm-hmm. Because for every rock we accidentally trip over, we remember something that we learned in, in a class, in a seminar or a workshop, that somebody taught us how to handle that little rock we tripped over. So I'm, I'm so excited about this, that we have so many awesome people, which includes you and me and Tony Lynch, I think he's going to end it, so you're not going to hear about him until the very end. But we have people that are going to come in 
and be there for you. And if it's not for you and you know of a relative or a friend or a co-worker or somebody at church, bring them in. It's for free. We're offering this for free to our community. So come in April 29th through May 2. Mark your calendars. Save that date. Um, April 29, 8 a.m. Eastern Time through May 2, 72 hours later, with all that wonderful blessings in between, to May 2, 8 o'clock Eastern Time. And it's going to be awesome. I just can't wait to... I think this is, uh, this is also a way that we can find a way to minister to our, the grievers and their families and the, how they can learn new techniques to help them through their grief journey. Mm-hmm. Maybe give help them. It might even help them with their, their aha moments. You know, it might help them with their mindset thinking. Yeah. But I'm praying that also it would help them become unstuck, get them out of that deep, dark hole. I'm not saying you're going to be 100% cured, but at least your journey will be a lot lighter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's our goal, to help your journey be a little bit easier and, and lighter. And you would have better understanding and knowing things. And also, then you have a way to tell your relatives who are judging and criticizing you. Hey, listen, you know. Right. <laughs> you know, it's educational. It's going to be very educational. And that's the blessed thing about it. It's totally it's educational, grief education. And everybody, every grief coach or professional has a different class, a different way of helping you. you mm-hmm. know? Well, one grief coach may help you in one way. Another grief coach may help you in a different path as well. But when it comes to the end, you get all these people together, and at the very end, your journey is going to be much easier and lighter. And that's the most blessed thing that we can offer. Yeah. I'm super excited about this conference. It's yeah. um, like, it's already amazing and it hasn't even started yet. Now, you're doing a seminar and a workshop, right? I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so am I. So. Yeah. so for people who are interested, is it, um, do they have to attend the whole 72 hours or can it's they pick and choose what they want? It's, a, it's available whenever they pop on that somebody's going to be there. So they don't have to, but you know, if they want to see and listen to the different classes, they can come for the day and then go to bed at night because somebody else, the night people will be there for the night people. Mm-hmm. The day people will be there for the day people. Wonderful. You know, but you never know. I think Nathan's going to have it set up so when they come in, they can see who the speakers are and what the classes are and what the workshop classes are. Okay. They have an idea what to choose and where to go to. So Wonderful. The only thing that it, the only thing that's and I may be wrong. The only thing is like if you missed this class and you wanted to go to this class because you were at this class, can you go back to that class? Is it going to be at another time set? And um, I was wishing that we did it set set it up that way, but it's. Maybe next year we'll have it like that, but um, I think it's all going to be recorded, if I remember right. So if you missed it, the recordings will be available so that you can listen to it and take notes. Mm-hmm. And if you're like me, sometimes listening to it the first time sounds so good, and I don't take notes because I just want to listen. <laughs> But then I go back the second time and I learned even more things that I missed the first time, but at least uh-huh. I'm taking notes. <laughs> and sometimes I go to the third time because, you know, like reading a book. Sometimes you read it and it's awesome. But then you go back and read it and say, I don't remember reading this before. <laughs> you always learn something new. Uh-huh. Our life is a school. We're always learning, we're always evolving and learning. But for me, because of my stroke and all my brain, I have to listen to it more than one time. Mm-hmm. And, but you know what? Every time 
I get blessed. Yeah. You know, you get blessed. Oh, I don't remember him saying that, but I like that, you know? Because <laughs> so, everything is going to be awesome. Everybody's going to be awesome. Teach them and, and educating us with awesome stuff. And you don't want to miss it because it's going to help me with my grief journey. Mm-hmm. Not just as a grief coach, but it's going to help me with my grief journey. So. Yeah. And both are important. Um, oh, like yeah. you were saying earlier, we can't help others with their grief journeys unless we are helping ourselves with our own. Exactly. So, and then, and then, and that journey is you learn on your own. You know, for me, I'm saying, okay, God's blessing me and teaching me this. He wants me to learn this for a reason. Mm-hmm. And at the moment, you may not understand that reason, but later on, when you do have, have that aha moment, you begin to realize why that reason was. Yeah. Because Wonderful. God gives you those aha, aha moments. <laughs> so I'm curious. Like, I'm a great like I'm a great coach. I would not, or and a life coach. I would never have imagined this journey of being a grief <laughs> or a life coach. That, this is not what my plan was for my life, <laughs> you know? Here I am, what? Oh, my God, okay, why are you calling me to do this? Because the grief-like journey I went through, my experience, they can help someone else and mm-hmm. bless someone else and maybe give a smile, put a smile, or be someone's miracle. Because all yeah. it does is take one person for you to bless and help. Mm-hmm. You may not help with 50 or 60 or 100 of them, but you may be able to help that one person. Yeah. Even if that one person is yourself. Yes. Exactly. Oh, this has been amazing, Dee. Thank you so much. You don't want it to end, right? I don't, <laughs> but it is time. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, 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 it's nice that we can get together as coaches and share these thoughts and stories and ideas and learn from each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, listening to your, your, your podcast, I learn from it. Mm-hmm. Because for every time we bring somebody special as a guest, whatever their training is, we learn something. Yeah. And that's the power of sharing our stories too. Even if we're not trained professionals, if, even if we're not grief coaches or grief workers, we can still benefit from hearing and re- hearing and sharing our stories. Yes. And everybody has a story. Everybody has a story. Mm-hmm. Because everyone has a story. Everyone has a powerful story mm-hmm. that we all can learn from your story. And some of us will read each other's stories and we will say, that happened to me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, speaking of stories, thank you so much for sharing your story with us, Dee. And if you're wondering how to help your friends who are grieving or how to even um, navigate your own grief, reach out to Dee. Um, and where can people find you, Dee? Uh, they can also find me on my website, um, unpluggrief.org. Mm-hmm. Um, they can also, uh, my podcast is anchor.fm forward slash unplug grief. And I also have a Facebook page. Um, I have Unplugged grief, um, grief and life coaching and consultants, and that is also under my Unplugged Grief Ministry. So wonderful. Uh, you reach out anytime. You can contact me. Um, I will be available now. If I don't answer right away, it's because I get so many scam calls. Mm-hmm. So just leave a message, and I'll read your message, and I'll call you right back. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us, Dee. If you enjoyed this, join us next time in our journey of exploring humanity one heart at a time. 
um, please continue, consider donating to the program so that we can continue to have conversations like these in the future. And I'll put the link to do that in the show notes. And you can also visit my website, grievingcoach.com, to see more of my work. Um, reach out to me either through my website or email jen at grievingcoach.com. And that's all for today. Have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. <laughs>